Welcome to Hibbert and Stuff, where I dive deep into the human experience with humor and heart. Join me as I explore self-awareness, growth, and the stories of people who have overcome some of life's challenges. I'm here to share positivity, gratitude, but most importantly, me. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a part of it. Cheers. This is a fun little episode for you coming up. I am talking to Zane. He's a barber by trade, but he's been a chef. He's a musician. He's done all sorts. He's done more than most people should be doing. Big on the mental health front. He is part of this men's group, which we discuss within the podcast. But at the beginning, he talks a little bit about why mental health is such a poignant thing for him, why it's important. And then we finally talk about how he introduced himself into spirituality, actually. Um, in this episode, you can expect lots of mental health talk, and particularly um, why and how men can be helped and why the need is so great, more than ever, actually, for there to be more support for our fellow man. Enjoy. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, man. Zane. Hello. We finally made it. <laughs> We're fucking here, man. Wait, what, three weeks? No, a month, I think. I feel, I feel like it's months since I, we've decided to I think it's more, actually. Yeah, yeah, because I cut your hair, like... It was a good two, couple of months, months ago. ago. Yeah, and we were talking about it then, but... What I liked is that we... We only spoke for a matter of minutes, and I already knew. I was like, this guy's got to come on the podcast. Uh, I can beat you because I, I, I'd seen you around with it, but I was like, I need to talk to that guy. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like before I knew who you were, I'd, I'd seen you dotting, dotting around. Yeah, Because yeah. um, I'm always outside the shop having a, having a smoke. And I'd seen you dotting around. I was like, it's a cool motherfucker. Right, it's a cool motherfucker. I need to talk to a cool motherfucker. <laughs> and I saw you at the, the cafe. The um, Yes, that was the first. Um, yeah, yeah. Dakota. Oh. Dakota. Yeah, lovely ladies in there. And uh, shout out Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, they, they're, they're amazing. They, they make me the best breakfast, mm -hmm. those guys. And uh, they're really cool. Like that little small business community is so cool. But yeah, we I saw you in there and like I braved the, shall I talk to him? <laughs> you know, I was yeah. like, give a hi. And then I found out that a friend of mine at the time you worked with his mother. Mm -hmm. And then that bridged a little gap when I think we saw it. So we bumped into each other again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in Whitley Bay. And then you came in for a haircut and it was like, what, a 15, 20 minute chat? I mean, I went, I went for the haircut with the idea of like, right, if this guy seems, if I'm picking up the right energy, yeah, I'm going to ask him to come on the podcast pretty early on. Oh, sweet. And, and that's exactly what we're here for. <laughs> what I didn't know was what we would talk about, but it became evident after having our last chat. Yeah, yeah. That mental health is quite like a, a poignant part, huge part of what you're about yeah huge. and what you're passionate about yeah yeah massively which massively. ties in well for me why why do you think mental health has become such an important part for you um when did what, it begin when did, <laughs> when did the damage begin <laughs> tell me your origin story uh <laughs> yeah i think um I mean, I've always had my own issues with, with, with mental health, but it wasn't so prevalent, like it wasn't called mental health. Like, you know, when I was 20, the term mental health was, ooh, there's a schizophrenic in a loony bin somewhere, 
you know, yeah. it was just... And just as, like, the 90s rolled through into, you know, the noughties and all this, it, it, and as we became more connected, I think, you know, through technologies and social media, a lot of shared experiences were like, oh, wait, hang on. I feel like that as mm -hmm. well. I've never heard it worded before. Um, I think around that era, you know, around that acceptance time where people were now suddenly like, oh, they're not just sad. Something There's else going an on. issue going on. And then somebody else would relate to it. And I sort of see that happening a lot. Um, and there's a lot of, um, if I'm just really blunt, uh, there's been a lot of, I mean, I'm going to choose the word wisely for social media, but I'm self unaliving in, in my life and, you know, friend groups and family members and stuff. Oh, okay. So you've, you've experienced a lot of that with family members and friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot more friends, um, uh, I've lost to. To, to themselves, uh, essentially, um, and a fair few family members on on both sides of, of my family. And, you know, I, like, I'm a human. I've danced with my own thoughts about it and, and stuff like that. But when... <laughs> I, th I think the turning point when I realised that, fuck, this is something I care about, was when somebody mentioned about, you know, self unaliving and I was like, Oh yeah, it just, it happens, man. You know, it's part of life. And they were like, no, it's, it's really not like, that's a big issue. And I was like, is it? And they were like, well, I've never experienced. And then the more people that I spoke to and, and everything like that, I was sort of like crap. Like, this is big, big fucking issue. And it's, it's something everyone's aware of, but not everyone experiences. And then that made me reflect on myself. I was like, oh, oh, maybe not everyone feels this way. Because, you know, when you're growing up, you just think the way I think so, is the way other people think. So to, do, so to put into context, feels, not everyone feels this way. What, what is it? Um, I, at that time, I mean, it's, it's not like that now. Like my mental health is pretty pretty durable and good. I put myself through the ringer a lot and I've done a lot of work in like the past 10, 10, 15 years or so. But that detachment is the only way I can word it, which is really weird because I actively practice and encourage detachment in a spiritual sense. Yeah, right. Um, but just this complete like... 20 years ago, if me and you were sat here right now, this facial expression would be on, but it would just be this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing behind it. It would be like, I'd be doing it because, well, that's what we're supposed to do. And that gap got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was like, like watching yourself fall away, yeah, you know, right. type of thing. I have, I have that when I look back on my on my teens and my 20s especially, mm. I was so detached from who I was. Yeah. And like, yeah. I know that I was putting on a facade for everybody else, but I wasn't even being true to myself. Like I didn't even realize mm. myself that I was doing it. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I yeah. just, I just kind of, um, I don't know. It was like, I was just reacting and responding. Yeah. It's, it's the reaction bit. I think yeah. that that's, that's the real, cause it's kind of like, a, um, I don't want to say like a chameleon, but, but you know, it's a bit like a camouflage that you put up you say, no, no, I'm cool. I fit in. Mm. It's all right. I, you know, I'm here. Yep. I hear where I feel the same way. 
and you're saying the words there's a lot of this but but this is just like oh, i don't get it and it, it wasn't even necessarily low it was just like i don't get it but i don't yeah that's right because like mental health doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're depressed like mental mm. health can mean so much so many other things you can just just being detached from yourself can be like a mental health problem oh, absolutely right? yeah it's, it's, it's such a wide spectrum of of stuff and it, i've discovered that more and more um I asked my brother about this if I could mention it. And he said yes, because obviously, you know, we've, you know, we've met a couple of times at chats and in the talks about ADHD and stuff, stuff like that. He's um, diagnosed. He was over the moon with it because you know he, he had like a name for he could place why certain actions are this way, why his responses are this way, mm. and now he can build a structure in which to to deal with those same things. And when he very first taught, uh, told me about this, about his, his ADHD, I was really dismissive of it. Because How long ago was this? Sorry, not too long ago, okay. actually. To be honest, really not too like within the past twelve months. Right? Yeah, and he, he, and I hate that. He's my brother. We're so close. We're, we're really close. He's a wonderful guy, and. Like he pulled me on it, which is cool because he, he, we've got that relationship. Well, like he checked you. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, you know, he mentioned it. And at the time, everything I'd heard about ADHD was there were so many different schools of thought on one, what it was, how it occurs and how it should be treated. And even if it should be treated, mm. which is a real school of thought as well, yeah, you yeah. know. And I was just kind of like, well, everyone's got fucking ADHD these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's all I heard was just like, everyone's got fucking ADHD. You know? And he mentioned something about it. And I, I think I even said something along the lines of, well, it's a highly disputed thing, isn't it? You know? And I just totally brushed it. I wasn't being a brother to my brother. I wasn't listening. And he checked me on it. He, he turned around and said, look, that really hurt when you were so dismissive of this. And I was like, wait if this is causing a reaction in this in 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 one of the closest people on the planet to me there's something to it yeah um so i you know a bit of a mirror talk okay <laughs> nice drop it go read into it and i'm still as fucking confused <laughs> <laughs> i am so fucking confused so there's like i mean to play devil's advocate okay yeah <coughs> I personally think you have ADHD. You're not the first person to say that to me as well. Yeah. Um, but also, because I've had these conversations with other people that were hesitant um, about diagnoses, whether it be like ADHD or autism, like on the spectrum, mm. and like very hesitant to be like, oh, all these letters and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then they got a diagnosis and then things started fitting into place. And it's like, um, I don't know where the, what's the word that I'm looking for? the hesitancy mm. comes from. I think the, the problem is that it does seem like everybody's saying that they've got these things, mm. but it's something like 10% of people has ADHD. It's, it's a really big That's percentage. That's a big volume. It's a lot. 10% is a big volume. And what's tragic is that a, the majority of them aren't diagnosed. And some of them don't mm. even, haven't even got any notion that they might have it. Just, and I've been to like ADHD groups back in Brighton. Mm. And um, this is when I'd just been diagnosed. And we spoke with a big group of people. And there were 
there was this one lady in particular, and she was like in her 50s, and she was saying like, I've had ADHD my whole life. I've never managed to do anything. I've never um, completed anything in my life. And it was like just this, mm. this like blanket of sadness. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, it's such, and she, she realized she had ADHD later on. I was like, it's such a shame that society doesn't accept that this ADHD thing is here. Yeah. And that the people with ADHD need some extra tools and help with or without medication. I think the tools thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I do believe that there are, and I know people with ADHD that are perfectly fine mm. doing their thing without medication. I mean, that's completely reasonable to to think you know i mean i remember reading a, a, a true case of a um a psychological lecturer in uh, america and he gave his students this test and it was the psychopathy test mm. and it was all anonymous and it was just to see if anybody had you know any of the traits in turn or one person nailed every fucking box this person was a psychopath right for everyone to see yeah, but they didn't know. It turned out it was the lecturer. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Nice. He had a family. He had two kids. He loved his wife. So there's a real misunderstanding. Like, if I say to somebody, oh, that guy's a psychopath, mm. straight away it's like, great murderer, or yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah, fringe, yeah. they're ready to go. And I, I'm not trying to normalize psychopathy. It's, just, it's an extreme thing. But the only telltale sign for this guy and his family was... Um, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, sorry, but whenever the kids ate in the kitchen when it wasn't dinner time, he'd mumble to himself, there's people in my house eating my fucking food. <laughs> That's when it slips. Yeah, that That's was when it slips. Yeah. But he wasn't masking. He didn't know. He thoroughly loved his wife. And it completely changed our understanding of what what, yeah. what psychopathy and psych, uh, being a psychopath is. And I think that's the case with ADHD now. I think now it's a case of I mean, there was people like me who I took it completely the wrong way, which is just shut the fuck up. Stop talking about this fucking mm. thing. Just give the kid a slap. He'll behave. You, you know, that type of mentality that comes with it. But now it's that much. Um, not un I, I don't think it is understood properly. No, I don't. But I think it's vocalized more and that we now understand there are characteristical traits in people that they all line up together. Mm. And they all need the same, not the same, but they all need the same flavor of coping mechanisms, working tools, some cases medication, some cases not medication. Mm -hmm. um, and an understanding. And an understanding. And a, a, yeah. An understanding, especially for like a, an employee employer type of relationship, mm. even within friends and like relationships. Because I don't know how many people with ADHD just. Uh, I mean, I've had like six relationships and I fucked up every single one. Right. I always thought it was their fault. And it was only, it was only when I looked back, I was like, it was <laughs> definitely. And I've me. said this many times, like it was me. Like I, t I put my hands up, it was me. And, and a part of why it was me was the ADHD. Okay. Right. Because the ADHD has certain traits where like very short tempered and, you know, yeah. uh, emotional deregulation, like mm. a lot of, like your dopamine levels are quite low, so you struggle to do the mundane things in life. Right. Which a lot of people that have the right dopamine levels, neurotypical, yeah. they would just be able to do it because doing the laundry alone is enough satisfaction. That's, a, that's enough of a motivation to do it. Mm. 
but anyway is this the point, like the reward system that yeah there is no there is no reward for doing something that you're not interested in ah with the with adhd okay not even on the smallest scale anyway the, oh, that, so, yeah, so just, just interject yeah yeah yeah, yeah. could that because I'm, I'm i'm a very big fan of this um kind of new wave movement of <laughs> they call it biohacking which just sounds so futuristic and yeah fucking i've heard cool, of it man. you know like i'm gonna hold your skin so it can be like concrete but no what we're doing is, is is understanding the relationship and regulation between emotion and hormonal release in the brain mm. so don't mean being a hormone and and or, or chemical release in the brain and there's a lot of people um proactively finding ways to Absolutely. regulate and, and, and all the different ones. So, you know, cortisol as well, like, yes, with stress hormone, but it's super important because that's the one that gets us out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Too high of cortisol, you're going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And these, these guys and gals are kind of performing all these different practices. There's a lot of cold training in, which you, you and I have spoke about, I'm a very big fan of and all that. And they're proactively doing these things to... Um, in, in response to the dopamine, we're one of the biggest ones that I read, and it's a great thing. When you see the the mm -hmm. hyperachiever, the one who just constantly seems to win everything, does everything, watch their celebration. It's very short-lived. Mm. They don't allow the dopamine to be about the celebration. Yeah. It's They get their dopamine from the work to the, the process, goal. Yeah. yeah. So is because obviously I'm completely dumb, dumbfounded with the ADHD no, no, no. thing. Is that something that can be physically worked on? 100%. Or is it just that it's the levels are so low that it needs no. like medication? So or? I think this is why there needs to be more. I think this is why these conversations are so important because right. I don't think even people that know that ADHD, I don't think they realize just how much they can help themselves. Right. Right. Because they That's can. interesting. Because. Um, so sugar is an ADHD's person's worst nightmare. Right, yeah, Like, yeah, don't yeah. do it. Stay away from it. Carbs, because essentially sugar. Yeah, just quickly. Sugar, stay the fuck away from everyone. Yeah. Don't yeah, 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 yeah. Everything that applies to, like, the average person without ADHD is the same, but almost, like, even more important, if you like, for yeah. someone with ADHD. Yeah. So, like, exercise is one of the, one of the best ones for building up mm. your serotonin. Yeah. Like I, I would say to everyone with ADHD, if you can, to stop eating the junk food and to go do exercise. The problem is with the ADHD <laughs> is the motivation <laughs> to, do to go yeah. to the exercise yeah, okay. is so difficult. <laughs> okay. And and the, the desire to eat the junk food, and I wholeheartedly believe this, mm. is greater than the average person because eating that junk food, you get that dopamine hit straight away. And it's... And you get that, you get closer to the baseline more, which you're not used to. So the dopamine hit is all that much sweeter. Either you get closer to the baseline. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, just so everyone thinking so it's in like, terms so of... Like an, so someone with like regulated dopamine levels are neurotypical. Yeah. They just feel good and bad, right? Yeah. But an ADHD yeah. always just feels a little bit below good. Right, okay. And then okay. really bad. <laughs> Okay. And, and then you mix in like the hypersensitivity that comes with it. There's the yeah. uh, short-lived attention span, which is, mm. which is a misconception. It's actually an attention span to everything. It's just you can't focus on. Yeah, I, focus I'd read issue. that before that it wasn't. Um, it wasn't that there was a. If you look at the attention deficit disorder, it's not that there's a deficit of attention. It's that the attention is so stretched out because it's 
onto everything. Right. That was one of the first things that I could kind of understand. I was like, that makes sense to me. I, I can see, particularly, I'm sorry, Connor, but with regards to my brother, I'm like, Mm. Yeah. Mm. Like, for example, if it, like I, I couldn't have a clock in this room because while I'm talking to you, I'd hear it ticking. But it's ticking so loud and I can't filter it out. And it's just a sensory thing. I get that with plug sockets. Yeah. At night. What, what, do, what happens with the I plug can sockets? hear the plug sockets. I can yeah. hear the buzz of electricity. I can hear them in That's the front room. That's because you're in room. tune with another dimension, my friend. <laughs> but no, I can... I, I, can, got ADHD. I can hear... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I can like a fucking plug socket in the front room. This one in particular, it's at the back wall well, on the left. It's just a little little. I can just hear I the would, buzz. That would fuck me up. I know when it's not turned off. I've got a rule: turn that fucking plug that off. I can fuck hear me it. Up. I can hear it from the other room. With with Briggy, she's she's very hypersensitive. If we're walking along a road, mm. do not talk to her. You can't talk to her because she's struggling so much with the sounds of the cars. Wow, really? Is it that? Can't filter it out. It, it becomes like amplified. So then if you try talking to her, it, it's like it's like her brain is competing with two sounds. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, it's yeah. just like, don't do it. Because the, you, you get overwhelmed. The overwhelm just kicks in. It's like the overstimulus, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can't, can I, I can kind of relate to it a little bit. Like I, I know when, when too many people are talking, when too many people are talking, and particularly if one person is talking to me yeah. and another one is trying to talk yeah. to me, I... I get I'm, angry. I mean, I, I'm medicated I become so. really rude. I, I yeah. just, <laughs> I take two steps back and walk out the room. Yeah. Um, it's happened in the... Um, That's regulating. In the bar. <laughs> in the, uh, the ticket, <laughs> shout out to the ticket office. Uh, it's happened in there before. I know there's a, there's, there's a wonderful gal works there, Phoebe. She, she's lost, she's, crazy as fuck and she's pointed it out a few times she's seen where i've just kind of gone clamp i've took two steps back and i've just walked out the door and gone for a cigarette yeah 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 nice. and i've come back in and she's just laughing she's pointing at me i'm like what she was like you got so overstimulated you just had to fucking leave didn't you i'm like yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. yeah. but i just again if you throw back to what you said earlier about understand um when did the awareness of mental health things come out that with what happens it's happened a few times in the bar where i've just kind of like this um i'm just such a fucking popular guy in that oh, place they people love, love me everyone wants to talk to me at once you know i'm the greatest the greatest patron of the bar and uh i i've had to step out a few times and um i i noticed that when i was like 16 that you that that was happened that, that was a thing yeah and it, it it did seem to like come out of nowhere i was like I need to leave. There's too many fucking people talking or the, the noise is, is off and stuff like that. Uh, I just used to call it the vibe, you know, the vibe. No, it's, it's too funny. When I realized what well, it was, just too many people going at me at once. Mm. But I started to notice other people doing the same thing. And I noticed the people outside of the, say, the nightclub, you know, we used to go to Cuba, Cuba when we were kids. And um, you'd go outside for a cigarette and a cigarette's always been my get out of jail free card. Yeah, yeah. So there's too much going on. I need a fag. I'm just going to go for a quick ciggy. A quick reset. Yeah. And you'd see, you'd see like groups of people having a cigarette outside who wanted the nicotine. Mm. And then you'd see all these individuals just lined up, not looking at each other. <laughs> just like, cigarette, head down. Yeah. You know. 
I can go back. Yeah, ba- and bars go back and clubs in. are massively overstimulating. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I suppose that's where it's like a lot of the. I was reading something about um, drug use in in regards to ADHD, mm-hmm. and more in particular the kind of unconscious self medicating of it. Um. You know, nobody's sitting there going, I've got ADHD or ADHD and fuck it, I'm going to smoke nine joints because it makes me feel better. That's, well, that's not usually that. No, aware, it's, right? whenever anybody says self-medication, I know that image comes up. They're like, oh, fuck, life's so stressful. I'm going to stick a needle in my arm. It's like nobody has that thought process. It's a response or a reaction to, to something. And I was quite curious about a drug use within the ADHD or ADD community, uh, just it's rife. Yeah, and it's I can huge. I can imagine it. And yeah, I I did message my brother. I said, you know, are we okay to talk? But I'm going to be a little tentative about what I say. He's not. He's never had drug issues where he's been on heroin or anything like that. But the self medication aspect, I can see so clearly, mm. so clearly. And sometimes I kick myself about that because I think back to like when he was, you know, like 18, 19, 20. I was like, you know, 28, 29, young enough to still be like, cool, brother. You know, I, I was, I probably still had quite a bad drug addiction at that point. And, you know, we used to get together and smoke and stuff and like sniff together and stuff like that. And I can't help those little guilt pangs about, mm. fuck, what the fuck am I feed? Like, what did I feed into yeah. back then? And uh, do you still carry that guilt now? Always, yeah. I, I carry loads of guilt with my brother. Loads of guilt because I love him so much. He's such a good guy. Mm. And like, I just was not a good human, to be blatantly frank. I was a fucking awful, awful. I was very fake. But very having, fake. having met you, mm. I feel like, so you say that you weren't a good human, but possibly because you didn't have the tools to be yet because I don't know if because you're a good tools. human now well I'm like, not I'm working on it okay it's a constant work in progress I okay. think um, I'm not naturally calm what do you constitute as a, a good human then oh or what makes you a bad human rather <laughs> okay I well, I can say what did make me a bad human was I had a complete disregard for other people's feelings. <clears throat> if I could, get Amen. My, sorry, if I could get my goal, yeah, right, right. And if I saw that possibly caring for feelings would get me my goal, I'd do that. Yeah, um, I shouldn't smile either. But drugs. I, I resonate with it so yeah, much. Yeah, it's I, you know, there's a few people I've spoken to quite openly about this, and I, I would say about. 70% are like, you, you fucked up. But the other 30% are like, God, no, I totally see. Yeah, totally yeah. see where you come from. Um, I'd do anything to get my hands on cocaine and ecstasy. Anything. And I was so fucking manipulative and fake with it. And it kind of got to the point where it was almost conscious. Really? Yeah. Yeah, almost like kind of, um, uh, uh, what do they call it? Um, not a sociopath they're almost sociopathic mm. like just like you knew that you didn't care I can get you to get what I want yeah drugs and it, man it, it drugs. Almost, yeah it, it was the drugs that did that yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for, for me it was cocaine and ecstasy it's, it's drugs and then and 
so my view of thinking is that anyone that's really taking drugs, they're using it to cope with something. They're, a lot of the time. No, yeah. Nobody wants to have a drug problem, right? No, no. A lot of people. And that's why and I so said if you you're trying bar. to cope, yeah. you'll do anything you need to do to cope. To get that. It's just you were good at it. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? It was so Like some people are really shit at it. I was so it, good at and, it. Man. And it takes... Uh, not to glamorize being manipulative, but it takes certain intelligence to be good at manipulating people. Well, there was another aspect that I really indulged in that was um, like just hyper promiscuity, mm. hyper promiscuity. And I, I, this is going to feel so bad because like I know my mom's going to watch this. Okay. <laughs> She's, hi, she, mom. Hi, mom. <laughs> What's your mom's she, name? Liz, she's Hi, Liz. a wonderful human, wonderful. She's fucking 60 odd and hangs upside down on a pole. Yeah, she's fucking yeah, crazy. Going, she's crazy. Amazing. But she, um, she's got a really interesting backstory as well, which I think for podcast in the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get her on. Let's get her on. That'll be interesting. <laughs> but, um, she, no. she used to say to me, she used to call me the serial monogamist because okay. I always had a girlfriend and I was always in long-term relationships. And I used to giggle and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I think two, two, if I'm really honest, two relationships in my entire life have I been completely monogamous. And it was never, um, I'm bored of this person, so I'm going to find indulgence elsewhere or something isn't working in the relationship. It was just, oh, there's an opportunity. Fuck yeah, let's yeah. go. Grab it. Guilt would come afterwards, but it was so, so short-lived because another opportunity would come up. Mm. And so despite being able to manipulate people to get, you know, drugs or, or whatever I wanted, I was so good at getting sex. Yeah. And But that's a drug in itself, right? It really is. And, uh, dude, I, like, fucking nearly killed me. I nearly killed me. That I had more guilt about using people for sex really? and, and yeah so i used to have this phrase where i was like i'm not guilty because i've taught and i'd be so blunt with girls i'd be like even in the club i'd be like nothing's happening after this yeah, yeah. they'd be like yeah okay yeah yeah but i'd string them as if it was mm. and it would almost appear like the my nothing's going to happen after this was bravado and they knew they could get past it but i was setting them up for that yeah. And that was a fucking horrible, I mean, great tiger cat. No, no, it wasn't great, but I don't know. You know, I, want, I wanted to be like that, mm. um, but I had such sexual anxiety that I couldn't. Right. I physically couldn't. Couldn't do it. I would, I, like, I was, quite good, I was quite good at, like, you know, schmoozing them and yeah. all of that and, like, playing the game and being like that. But then I'd always, like end up in this paranoid mess of sexual anxiety. Oh, I'm going to come was, too soon and something could no, work. Can, can, gonna, no, no, because even no. before. Oh, fuck. Even before, couldn't right. even do the deed. Oh, God, couldn't even get it there. It's terrible. So, oh. like, I would, sex would have been my drug of choice, but it, I couldn't open the packet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a couple of times you know I couldn't so open I the packet. So, yeah. you know, cocaine and ecstasy, <laughs> yeah, they, they worked for me, you know? I mean, I, you know, there's some real interesting studies on ecstasy and on MDMA mm. and just for anybody listening who thinks they're the same trust me us guys and gals who were in their heyday in the 90s there's a difference between MDMA and ecstasy there, there is a comical uh, a chemical compounding difference to it yeah. but in the way that we were using it <laughs> yeah yeah it is different not so good it, but there's been some awesome 
awesome studies on the use of ecstasy yeah. in terms of managing depression. Really good study. I saw this one doc, uh, one documentary which is all about this. What's what's the term? It's um, psych- psychedelic therapy or something. Yeah. What's the term? But anyway, they do it. They do it with psilocybin as well. Oh even yeah, LSD, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ket- Psych- Psychotropic therapies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And microdosing mushrooms. Yeah, microdosing mushrooms. Yeah. But even on like much higher dosages to mm. you know unpack past traumas and stuff. But there was this one couple and the. The lady had cancer, terminal, and I think she had like months. And they did, uh, they had a session on MDMA, and they were able, it's beautiful, they were able to have all those conversations Mm. that they felt uncomfortable to have in that (sighs) session. Because with the MDMA, even the sad and the tragic and the really difficult conversations. It's all beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's such a like uh, insight into for me, what spirituality can be. It's Absolutely. like to be, um, you know, talk about like practicing gratitude. Mm. Like, big fun. Like um, MDMA kind of, there's a little insight into that. There's a lot that, I, I can't remember the comedian's name. Anyway, just to finish off though, oh, that, that, that couple, uh, you know, they both came, they both found peace with the inevitable of what was going to happen. Mm. Both of them. Acceptance. And they were, yeah, they were able yeah. to get it all out. Because I think like as humans, sometimes, I mean, I feel like with us, we're able to talk about a lot of stuff where we can open up a lot mm-hmm. of doors and some of the difficult stuff. But a lot of people, um, so many doors are closed and they're just unable to open up because they're scared of being vulnerable or they're scared that they're going to... We, we view death very weirdly over we here do. in the West. And it's shushed and it's hushed away and it's... And it shouldn't be, you know, I mean, in... Um, <laughs> Even the way the body's taken away so quickly. <coughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's bit. it's all a bit... Um, we've got a strange way of approaching it. I, before I go down the spirituality route on that, um, there, there was this comedian, just in terms of what you're talking about, that, that couple having the MDMA and just having these beautifully hard conversations and having them in such a manner that it's acceptance and, and wonderful. He was saying he tried MDMA. I, I, he was on a podcast and I can't... I can't remember the guy's name. I'm so sorry if I remember. I'll, I'll let you know. And he was saying he tried MDMA like for the first time. And what he did was he was so full of love. He called up his friends. He was like, I fucking love you, man. And he's got, he goes through his phone book and he calls everyone. But he did an evaluation of it the next day, which I never did once. No, fuck no. My evaluation was how many do I have left? Yeah, <laughs> you know, right, can right, I right. take the edge off on this Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> but he, he did like this this real evaluation and he kind of said he realized it was the phrase that he used. I won't I can't forget the phrase that he used. He said, My cup was full and overflowing and I just wanted to share it with yeah. everyone I loved. Yeah. And I thought you get that through spiritual practice. Through enough spiritual practice. Yes. You get that. Um, you do. You really do. And I think, you know, to segue God, into the spiritual thing. spot on, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, it's gratitude and forgiveness and, you know, accountability as well. And, you know, being able to look in a mirror and actually say, like, 
ah, oh, man, I got some major flaws and so does everybody else. And I'm no further disconnected from them than they are from me. Yeah, yeah. Just to be able to smile at that. Like I'm, I'm really, really comfortable around people who are dying. Really comfortable because they're some of the most honest people in the world. Yeah, right, right. And it scares a lot of people. They're like, oh, fuck, you know. So I'm a, obviously a barber and you know, our shop is very pensioner heavy there's a lot of old dogs get in there and you know I'd say for instance one of them at the moment no one can, can get in the shop I'm going down to cut his hair in the care home that he's in and he even said to me it was fucking brilliant I finished his hair I was like there we go Les is that okay you know pop of a mirror he goes, ah, yeah. he goes well hopefully there'll be another one but if not it's been fun hasn't it you know I'm like fuck yeah it has man Les like yeah, well, that could that that likely is the last time I'll ever see that guy. And that was last week. And that's fine. That's comfortable. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because death's not the opposite of life. No. It's the opposite of birth. Life's the bit yeah, that yeah, happens yeah. in between. And Yeah, it's just the next doorway. It's the next doorway, man, you know. And it's like, you know, I've, I've met people when, you know, they've, they've, they've been close to people. Say cancer is cancer's a big thing. Mm. Okay. You know, wow. Oh. Did you hear such and such has got cancer and they're dying? I can't help it. My brain goes, you're dying right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, right yeah. now. It's happening. You're dying. It's a process. Yeah. It's part of it. You, you, you come out and the death process starts. Hmm. That's it. Um, and when you talk yeah, to yeah, people, people who get are close all, to people death. People get all hushed. Don't they? But when you get close to death or when you see people who are close to death and when they're close to these things, there's a particular look in the eye, and I've only ever seen it in um, self-realized gurus mm. and deeply spiritual people. And it's just this look of, this is life. A complete acceptance, a complete acceptance. They've let go of their attachment to, not emotion, but their attachment to what emotion meant to them. So for a lot of us, emotion is, you know, that's a memory response. Mm. That's what a lot of the time what emotion is. And you have a bad response to something. It's because you've tied a particular emotion to a past experience and you say, this is important. So I'm not going to experience that again, or I'm going to experience it, whatever it may be. These people don't have that. They're like, mm. oh yeah, I experienced that. That was cool. And that it, they, it's it unnerves so many people, and I'm just like, give that to me. <laughs> like, and that I mean, and that's partly how you can recover, right? That's totally. part. That's part of what recovery is. Totally being aware of that and having that. That's how you yeah. can get rid of your triggers. That's how you can like dissolve your triggers. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was um, it was Ramdas who, who said very very beautifully, wisely, and cheekily he said, you know, the goal isn't to um, react. It's to respond. Mm. And you do that yeah. through practice of detachment, mm. not in the negative sense. So you, you practice your meditation, you practice your breath work in the morning, you practice acts of selfless gratitude. You do these things over and over and over again. And, and at the beginning, they just kind of seem like quite uh, self-indulgent at first. You're like, yeah, I'm meditating. I'm going to be this. I'm special mm. as fuck. Oh, and then you really start meditating and you can't stop fucking crying because everything's mm. come to the surface. And you're like, I thought this was supposed to be peaceful. 
No, you're going to get peaceful. Yeah. You, you, you got to bash your shin on a few, you know, and uh, corner ends first before you before you get there. And you do it enough and enough and enough. And uh, his Ramdas's thing is is that we're all one. There's no difference between the spirit of us all. We're all just experiencing life. So therefore, there is no. We are the same person. We're just living different things. Um, treat everyone as if they are God in drag was one of the things that he said. And I, I fucking love that. Every person's God, regardless of what your understanding of God might be. But every person is God. It's just wearing a different mask. Just do it. So we're all the same thing. And when you, if you can get to that, I know I'm sounding preachy. I am not there. <laughs> but I, I'm directing it's myself a life, there. It's a lifelong journey. Oh, it's going to be, yeah. Yeah, I'll be on my deathbed and I'll be like, mm. yeah, nice. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, you, you practice these things enough so that when a situation explodes or when something bad happens or when something glorious happens, whatever, you don't react, you respond. Mm. It's difficult, you respond. isn't it? It's really difficult. It's, it's like I told you uh, just before we started this. Particularly if you're a parent. Sorry, I'm just joking. Exactly. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. And especially, well, I'll divert a little bit, as being a parent, because so many of... Uh, triggers that we have with our children mm. are so deeply ingrained from how we were treated as children, yeah. right? It's yeah, like, yeah. it's like that full cycle. And if you don't catch it, you repeat the cycle. Absolutely. And that's yeah. why triggers are so difficult. But it's like I was telling you before we started this podcast with uh, Briggy, my partner, you know, I, I reacted, mm. I didn't respond. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. it's because I was triggered by something and I realized quite quickly afterwards, mm. I was like, fuck, I didn't handle that right. <laughs> and, and, I'm, I'm, and I'm like, I like to think that I've got to a point now where, you know, whatever I'm thinking and saying, at the same time, I'm kind of watching it as well. Yeah. You know, that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that to thing. observe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just to see like, mm. just a constant like checking how things are going sort of thing. That's a good thing to and practice. And in, in that moment, I was just like, I just... Sometimes it kind of pulls you. It's almost like your ego goes, ah, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you, and you fucking <laughs> reacted. <laughs> what a dick. Double win for the ego. Yeah. The, and, 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 then, and then, like, you see the chaos unfold, like an upset partner. Mm. And it's like, why are things unstable all of a sudden? <laughs> What's wrong with this? Why, why is the relationship all fucked? It's like, oh, well, it's me again. Yeah. Here we go. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult. It is. And I think, it, you know, that observational thing, there's a real good. Um, practice that anyone can try and you do it for a week all you do is you you watch yourself mm. all you do non-judgmental you can go you fucking dick but you watch yourself and you go essentially you just say am i telling the truth am i being true to yourself yeah mm. are my words true are my actions true am i actually acting out what i believe and most people, after just a few days of doing that, are like, I am so full of shit. Mm. Like, I am so full of shit. And it's not necessarily bad, because that's kind of, you know, how society is, and we're also interested in each other's lives, and, and that's, you know. But if you really evaluate that, and you kind of go, I'm going to start changing these little things. Just a good one is to stop speaking falsely about yourself. And that can be negative and positive falses. 
whether you're dragging yourself down when deep down you actually know, you know, actually I'm okay at that, but you don't want to feel like a brag. And then the complete flip where, you know, you're bolstering something and in your head you're going, I know I can't play guitar that well or what, like whatever it is, but you know, I'm talking the talk. When you start reducing those things down to the truth of what they are, you find you have very little to say yeah. and you just start to observe. You just start to observe. And then when somebody comes to you with something or you witness something, you don't react because your head's not full of all this garbage bullshit that the ego just, you know, sucks off so passionately. It's, it loves it. It's, it's not being fed. You're starving the ego, essentially. And then you, you, you respond wholeheartedly and fully, mm. you know, like in what you said before, in that situation, you, you know, you, you wouldn't react. You'd respond to it with action instead of words. What, what do you do when you meet someone who's clearly, you know, they're, they're full of bravado, they're talking the talk, and, yeah. and, and I'm sure, like, as do I, like, you can tell quite quickly that they're not being their authentic self at all because mm. you, you're watching a show. You're watching a show yeah, of yeah. the person and, like, no idea who's behind. It's like peacocking. Yeah, yeah, like, no idea yeah. who you are. Like, I've spoken to you for an hour, no idea. Mm. Like, where do you, do you feel like a responsibility to kind of help them do it? Like to, like, what do you do with someone like that? Because for me, I'm in, at a point in my journey where if I meet someone like that, I'm like, I can't. Like I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> like I just can't. And, and I want to, yeah, yeah. and I want to, but I'm just, <clears throat> I, I want to be like kind of open to everyone and accepting. And I know that's the goal and I know I will get there. But at this goal, point, I'm just like, I haven't, I haven't got the space or the time for this. I just observe. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I look, uh, <laughs> I kind of look at them and go, oh, that was me when I was 16. Yeah, yeah right. But then I've got to check you myself. Can't say that. Oh, You're I just like I was when I was I fucked up. I do, unfortunately. <laughs> I, think, I think that's why I keep, you know, the, uh, my friends that I have are very genuine friends because I'm sort of horrendously honest that way. But I will... I'll just observe and uh, and I'll recognize, you know, yeah, my brain will say, fucking hell, that was you when you were 16 or your 20s, 25. And then I catch myself, and this is all in like a microsecond, mm. then I catch myself going, oh, what, so you think you've massively improved? Yeah, yeah, right, right. I'm like, no, I'm a fucking barber. I talk shit for a living. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I catch myself like judging and then I'm like, oh. Really? Don't yeah. Do, who, are just, you, who are you? Yeah. Ex- mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, but I still can't be bothered with them. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I think I, I, find, I find those, because their character displays yeah. and whether they're, um, whether they're genuine to the person or not, whether it's a masquerade, whether it's a facade, whether it's somebody, this is the other thing to, to take into account as well. If somebody's not being the genuine self, it's not necessarily always negative. And by that, what I mean is if you say, for instance, I wanted to be, um, I wanted to become a student of Catholicism, all right, which will never happen, by the way, but I'm just saying if I wanted to be, I would start acting that character out. Yeah. I would start, I'd start acting pious and or, or whatever my view of, of what that would be as I was learning what it actually was. So there's, there's a practice that I've given to a few people who, you know, don't deal with confidence too well, which is when you walk into the room, you only see your company. 
the early CEO. You own a CEO. You're the CEO of a major, okay. major company. You own that company. You walk in there with that power and you act it out. Mm. You just don't tell people the business of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, 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 of the company that you run. Fake it until you make it to, to a degree. Mm. But there's a lot of the kind of, if you, if you start anything, if you're pursuing anything, doing anything, you, you, you're a complete idiot in that field because you're at the beginner. You, you're a fool. You're not there. But you have to, if you remain the idiot and the fool who doesn't act out what they're trying to pursue, you'll just remain the idiot and the fool. If you're the idiot and the fool because you're starting it new and you're acting it out, you'll start letting go of the idiocy bits and you'll start living out the whatever it is. So I'm aware a lot of people go into social situations with a real false confidence mm. for a positive reason because they're trying to gain confidence. Yeah, yeah, you need to, you need to make the mistakes to be able to learn. Absolutely. From so when you meet these people that are full of it, full of it, this is why we shouldn't judge so harshly yeah, each time right. because you don't actually know the motivation of what's going on. It's like when you meet somebody and they just rub you the wrong way. You know, they've just got to talk negatively about everything. You've only met them the once. They're sitting there, you know, they're complaining about taxes or immigration or you know, their, their ex or their kids and all, and all this. Like that person could have just woke up that morning and found out their mother died. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, you have no idea. You know, you've got no. It's it's like when you see, uh, and I'm just going to say guys, and I know it happens to girls as well, but I see more on guys. You know, we're like something simple, like they're trying to unlock the door and the key just won't fucking go, and they slam the key to the floor and they <laughs> kick the fucking door and the fuck fuck. It's got nothing to do with the keys. Yeah, right. It's got right. nothing to do with the lock. Yeah. So, I think that's the observational bit. Talked a bit about mental health. Yes. Um, we went to the past. Now let's go to the present. What yeah. Do, mental health. Yeah, for so you now. What are we others. doing now? So, um, well, I had a reach out call from an old friend um, who was never not a friend. We just, there's always large gaps in between us. And he messaged me just saying um, his wording was a little bit different from what I was aware of from this guy. This is a guy we used to session very hard together. He's, he's my tattooer, and there was all that scene and, and uh, lots of. So much cocaine. <laughs> Sorry, so much fucking cocaine. And um, yeah, he messaged me and he's like, oh, look, uh, I'm, I'm setting up this group of, of people. I really think you'd be a beautiful addition. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I was a little taken back by his wording um, because it wasn't the J that I was. He sounded different. He sounded so different. So, so different. So we meet up and he comes down it comes down here to color coats. We have a cold dip and everything like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah you know, we'll, we'll have a chat. And, you know, I'm still doing my cold stuff. Like, you know, you get in. And we start talking and he's he just had this transformation, this mm. complete transformation. And um, essentially, uh, he's been on an ayahuasca thing. Um, that wasn't the only factor. There was a lot of different things he'd been doing, a lot of self-development and a lot of self-work. And from like the last time that I saw him, where we were both plied pretty full of amphetamines, mm. to this time seeing him, the, 
the guy's now doing sound baths for people. What's a sound bath? <laughs> um, so a lot of Tibetan singing bowls, oh, okay. um, gongs. You, you essentially, you, you, you get yourself down into a meditative state and then uh, you kind of lie down and just have a bath of sound, like wash over you. And, you know, there's a lot of research with regards to sound therapy and it's very hard to kind of disprove what people would say is airy fairy, but mm -hmm. it's very much there. So he's doing these kind of things. He's doing shamanic courses. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on with this guy? Like, like what the hell's happening? And we sit and talk and he mentions something similar. He's like, well, you know, you're now following Sinatna Dharma, Hinduism, you're meditating every day, your breath work, you do chanting. Chanting is a really big, part of my life like performing mantra chantings yeah. and it turns out he's setting up this group um which is like a, a men's circle essentially and he introduces me to these three other guys and i'm like who the fuck are these people they're insane yeah. but in in the in the greatest way in the greatest way and so this group was formed that's called conscious kings and um, I do want to say very, very flat out, there is no trained therapist in this group. There's no trained psychologist in this group. We're not offering any form of counseling or therapy or anything like that. What we're providing is a space for men who have either had a look at themselves or want to have a look at themselves for them to come and kind of open up their hearts a little bit and kind of break that mold so they can actually feel what's happening and they're accepted with love and gratitude and we don't care what walk of life you're from and in these groups there's essentially um to I'll, I'll take you through the guys in the group because they're, cause they're yeah, all yeah, interesting. They all bring something so different. So yeah, we're, yeah, right, we're going to start with my little Irish Avenger, um, Corab, or Corab, depending on how you want to pronounce it. He's just this, he's so softly spoken. He just makes you feel so secure and safe. The moment you meet this guy, the way in which he talks, and he's got this wonderful Irish ramble mm. with him that is just... You can't get mad at him if he goes off topic because he's going to come back to topic. And he is so relaxed when he talks. And he has such a philosophical way of looking at life. And he applies it, which I think is, is amazing. Um, then you have, you've got Martin, who is this, like, I don't know. Like, I always laugh when I see him. I'm like, you're like the Chinese Buddha. He's this big fucking bundle of just smile. Like, just smile. And he hugs you. And when he hugs you, you... You've been hugged, mm. you know. You might even need a slight hospital appointment mm. afterwards for a broken rib or two. And he does a lot of stuff with uh, what's called cacao. So there's a cacao ceremony, which is essentially just the purest form of chocolate, mm. inverted bunny ears for those on the Spotify. And when you have cacao, it does have medicinal properties to it. it it lowers your blood pressure it slows your heart rate it makes you feel very relaxed and open and he does a lot of work with that he does fire walking he's running a fire walking group which is happening in a couple of weeks i think nice. we should have a look at that might be something um <clears throat> then we have jake who's the woodsmith the the, the woodcrafter um 
he he provides these meditations that are just like like I've meditated for ten years now, ten so it's something like that. And um I've never experienced a guided meditation like I have with Jake. It's just unreal. He's got this very interesting... He's funny when you meet him because he's kind of like, are you actually in the room? He is the fucking room. Yeah. He's, he's the space between the walls. He's just so like phenomenally laid out. And that's what he, he brings to the group. And then, like I said, Jay, um, who's kind of the spearhead of it all, uh, he does a lot of work with shamanic um, practices, and and I don't mean in 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 the appropriative way. He's very very earnest and honest with where he's got his knowledge and how to apply the knowledge and what to do with it. So, and I in that group would then kind of do the the chanting section because we kind of have a chanting thing so it's all of those guys combined we decided to put together this free completely free there's no charge because it should be open for every every man that that's available to come and basically be honest and regain a bit of strength through softening the heart now, I know that might turn a lot of people off because I know myself, like right now in the development that I'm in working on myself is that I'm making myself a lot tougher. Mm. That's 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 what I need. That's what my family needs at the minute. And I, I think that's how I could benefit the world is by being a little bit more tougher and a little bit more earnest. But I can only do that by softening yeah. certain aspects. So yeah. someone that, that comes for the first time to this group, what can mm. they expect coming in? You're going to come into a very safe place, um, a very safe place. You are not going to be judged for anything that you say. Um, it's so fucking important. It, it really is. It really is. I mean, we do have some ground rules. We, we are a men's group. We are there to bolster up the masculine. Mm -hmm. We're there to help men feel comfortable and regain the power of their masculinity. Uh, we tend not to accept the phrase toxic masculinity. We don't believe that's a thing. Okay. There's no aspect of masculinity that's toxic. No. Like there's no yeah. aspect of the feminine that's toxic. There's toxic people. There's toxic practices. Absolutely. No one can deny that. Mm. We will not accept the dragging down of the feminine. So say if somebody comes into the group and they've you know been very hurt in a relationship, um, if they start spouting about, you know, how all women are this, they're not going to get kicked out of the group by, by any stretch of the imagination, but we're going to talk to them very honestly, yeah. very, very, very honestly, and yeah. saying, you know, you're pinning your pain on somebody else right now. We're going to do the self-work, and that's what we're about, dealing with ourselves, working on ourselves, refining our power, and I, I really want to reiterate this, Therapy doesn't work for a lot of men and we're starting to understand why because it is tailored towards the feminine and what the feminine needs is very different from what the masculine needs. I'd say anybody who wants to call that social constructs and all this kind of business, have those talks elsewhere. Sure. We're here to re-empower men, to let them know they've not lost any power. Mm. It, it's there. It's in you. Mm. That strength's in you, that... The fatherhood, the, the the husband, the lover, the boyfriend, or whatever whatever 
role you're playing in life, your masculinity is there for you and it is your strongest fucking Absolutely. weapon. It is your strongest weapon. And to do it in and to do it with respect and love, right? Absolutely. Like, cause that's where, I think that's where the conflict is for guys yeah. sometimes. They think yeah. that to be masculine, you've got to be brash and a bit rough and yeah. a bit yeah. like degrade, like sometimes degrading, but, it, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, you can be in your masculine with respect and love and appreciation Absolutely. for the feminine oh. and for everyone. Like it's it's necessary. I think that's the only way you can be yeah, masculine. To be truly <laughs> masculine. To be really honest, yeah. I think that's the only way you can be masculine. And, and when you hear, because from, because I've not been to any like um, support groups other than the ADHD one that I mentioned earlier. Mm. But when you hear of like uh, a group of men getting together to uh, reconnect with their masculine, mm. people... Okay, it so resonates. I, yeah, yeah. But a lot of people straight away go like, oh, some like Andrew Tate bullshit. <laughs> because, because that's what we see, right? And it's like, it couldn't be further from the truth. What colors your Bugatti? You right? Know? Like, <laughs> but, yeah. that, but that's like, oh, a, a bunch of guys having to like make themselves feel. And it's like, it's not that. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's not the Andrew Tate. You know, I mean, like, I. If I'm really honest, I actually don't know too much about Andrew Tate. I, I've no, seen yeah, some right. small videos that were horrendous, and I've seen some that I actually nodded and yeah, agreed same, with. Same. So I'm just kind of like, whatever, as far as that, I'm that's aware. A, that's a social media algorithm thing. Well, as far as I'm aware, he's a very intelligent salesman. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that, different aspect yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, we're, we're not out there telling young guys to, you know, get money, get accolades, do all this like that's each individual's fucking life to deal with mm. what, what you want to pursue in life be it cars be it be it women be, mm. be it money i've got no problem with money you know be it like whatever just you know self-centeredness or you know a good relationship with your dad or your mom like, whatever it is where there to help you realize that what you feel you've lost isn't lost. It's not permanently gone. And from doing the few circles that we've done, um, the guys have done more than me. I've actually, I haven't been present for two of them. Um, but the overall message that I get from every guy, and we spoke about this when we, when we met up earlier, was that regardless of how it was painted, whatever words were used, the guys are all feeling the same thing. They've lost respect. Mm. They've lost their power, however that may be for the individual. And they greatly feel fucking unloved. And every walk of life, every walk, I'm talking from rich people, old people, homeless people, you know, whatever it is, these guys are all telling the same story with different words. Mm -hmm. They're all telling them. So we're providing a space where you can experience something you'll probably never experience anywhere else. And it's, I don't want to say it's formatted too much because it is very free flowing at the same time. I mean, you know, us and the guys, we do talk and we say, well, we should probably start with this, move to this, move to this X, Y, Z. And so in the nitty gritty of it, there's breath work, mm -hmm. There is, Martin runs this, who's the big cuddly guy. He, he comes up with these games and they're, they're fucking phenomenal because they're so disarming. You end up just being so honest. 
and you know he, he had one like the, I think it was the the five P's, and then you just had a quick fire answer, and it was like, uh, what's your passion? What's your power? What's your um, clever? Yeah, but the last one was always the one where everyone was stuck on, which was what was your pain? You, you know, mm. so he'd quick fire these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but before you have to before you shut down the question. Yeah. You're like you're involved in the game. Bang, bang, yeah, bang, yeah, bang, 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 go. But then always there's always space for every man to expand and extrapolate. And um I was really judgmental going into it because I was like, Well, everyone's just gonna want to talk their piece. Mm. That's all people are gonna want to be there is for themselves. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Oh fuck, I was so wrong. Mm. I was so wrong how much I found myself listening and really just being like, almost to the point where I was like, yeah, I, I don't want to answer the question. I want to listen to like, yeah, yeah. but there was a bit of self avoidance in there. So I did it anyway. Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. So, you know, Martin, Martin will take you through that. And then, um, Corib, he just has this way. He'll, he'll talk to everybody about whatever they've said and he'll not dismantle it, but he'll, dissect it so lovingly and understandingly and then jake would would take us through a meditation which would either lead on to a round of chanting which is what i would do or chan would go first the meditation and then it'll end with a sound bath which is very um my first experience of a sound bath was in our first circle that the conscious kings had, had put together and um that experience is something that I'm both desperate to and terrified of trying again. Really? Yeah, it was very emotional, very, very emotional. And I, I, I understand sound therapy. I understand the power of sound. I, I know, you know, I do chanting, for God's sakes. Yeah. You know, om, which was the base, should be the base of all mantraism, in my opinion. When you chant that, I'm aware of what happens in the body. I know what happens to me, and I'm aware of how that makes me feel. And it was it was like I'm a, my, my feet kicked out from under me, man. It was just like, fuck, I was a kid again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was apologizing for being stupid. Huh. And I remember the memory. I, I know it very clearly. And I was like, I thought I'd settled that business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Maybe not so much. Yeah, yeah. So... That's kind of where my understanding and dealing with men's mental health has ended up taking me is yeah. to to this point of providing a service for people as well and 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 a safe space, a, a space for men to sit in their masculine and not be ashamed of it because you're bogged down so much these days. You know, you're rapists, you're murderers, you're the cause of everything. Oh, it's only men in CEO suits. There's no generalized positivity around men. Mm. unless they're playing sport mm. and true. you know and it's just like men along with women build the infrastructure of life yeah we do it together as a team but we are separate groups and we don't need to be pointing the fingers in between these groups I agree. and i think men it's important for men to know that they're essential and they're necessary they're, they're so fucking necessary uh, there's always this joke going around, oh, what would you do if all the women were removed from the world? And all the guys are like, oh, I'd have a good night's sleep. Oh, you're not. No, you wouldn't. Fucking society would collapse. Yeah, of course it would. Your healthcare systems would be gone. Your childcare systems would be gone. Your nursing systems would be completely fucking eradicated. Um, 
a lot of your science industries would go. And on the flip side, when the women are asked, what would you do in a society without men? They're like, oh, I'd walk around the street feeling safe. And I just, no, you wouldn't. Your society would collapse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nuance, isn't there? There's, there is. There's, yeah. um, it's, it's a complicated one, but I definitely think there needs to be more compassion for, for men, and men need somewhere safe to go. I think that they, they, they yeah. definitely need somewhere safe to go. Absolutely. I, I think what you're saying there with compassion, we're, we're not providing a space where you have to earn your compassion. No. It's given to you. I've got a question to ask you, but I really need to piss. <laughs> <laughs> so Questions from the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so let's go back to the, what's the men's group called again? So, yeah, the, the men's group is called Conscious Kings. Uh, we don't actually have a social media presence at the minute. That was something I was supposed to do on the weekends. And I whoopsie, could, whoopsie. Like, well, by like, the time I hold. publish this, are there any links that are, or links or numbers that I can give to people in the description below? Yeah, sure. So the best way to get a hold of, of Conscious Kings to see if you want to join or even just to look into is to these three Instagram pages to look at. So the first one is Jay's. Yep. And his is called Beyond Silence and Healing. Um, that's his kind of sound bath page. Um, obviously, I'll give you the app. They'll all, they'll, all the clickable links will be awesome. in the description underneath. <laughs> that's nice to know. Um, there is my personal one, which I should really make private, but but I don't. It's uh, Dr. Tiggles. Tiggles. <laughs> yeah, T-I-G-G-L-E-Z. It was an old gamer tag that I've never been able to let go of. Cool. Nice to use that. Oh, there is my um, my Hindu or Sanatana Dharma page, which is uh, just a Govinda Das with, with a zero. Just message through there. Um, Question. Yeah, that's it. For anyone, for any guy, bloke, geezer, mm. that isn't familiar with spirituality, meditation, okay. chanting, any of that, and is a little bit apprehensive, dubious, yeah. skeptical even, yeah, yeah. but feel... Because of the woo-woo. <laughs> yeah, or, or because it's just foreign to them. Yeah, yeah. But they're yeah. aware enough that they're in, that they can benefit from being in a safe place with other guys. Sure. What would you say, what would you say to them? Don't be put off by the, the sort of my talks of spirituality and stuff like that. That's something that's very centric to me. Hmm. Um, like I said, there's, there's five of us in this group and we all have different, different views, different beliefs. Um, but we have a, a running, um, agreeance that is compassion, love, acceptance, and an open door policy. Um, so even if you're not into spirituality, you don't need to be spiritual to meditate. You don't need to be spiritual to perform a mantra or a chant. Um, if if that's something that puts you off, and I'll, I, I can only really focus on the mantra bit because that's it's the only bit that I have any sort of form of real knowledge of, is that from a practical and scientific point of view, you're there to lower your heart rate and your blood pressure yeah. and lower your brain waves. You put yourself in the beta and theta brain waves, I believe it is. Um, so the spiritual as aspect, it's not, it, it's not a driving force in this at all. It just happens to be that us five guys are quite spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, 
And to be to be really honest, it doesn't really play too much of a role in the group for the people attending. Yeah. Um, it plays an important role to me as it does in every moment of my life. So you know, being here to me is a spiritual experience as well as being in the men's group, as well as sitting on the toilet. <laughs> it's all one, one to me and that doesn't get bled out into these circles because as you say, a lot of, you know, atheistic driven people who feel something's misaligned and wrong. Yeah. Um, you don't have to call it spiritual. You can just say it's a, a the abstract, that, 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 that weird bit that you can never quite comprehend or put your finger on, yeah. that, that little bit of life that's out there and you can't quite figure it out. Um, just, yeah, just, just walk through the door. Give it a shot. It's, it's, that's yeah. what I'll say. Give it a shot because you ain't going to get judged. You're not going to get told off. Anything you open up and share about isn't going to be pulled on you later on. Mm. You know, we're not going to turn around and say, well, you said X, Y, Z. Mm. So why are you acting like this now? So no, no, that's, that's not our goal. Um, don't, don't be intimidated by the spiritual, when you hear us talking about spirituality. That's, because, um, so for me, like I can, talking f for me. Yeah. I've, ne I've never been to like a, a group like this. And I can be so coming to the next one on the 13th of December, just a little plug. 13th of December. That's uh, my uh, parents' uh, wedding anniversary I as well. I think it's the 13th. It's the last, it's the third Friday of each month. Last question. Yeah. When, and we're going to, we're going to do this again and we'll go deeper into yeah. your story and your journey. Okay. But just to kind of like open it up a little bit, when did you have the when do you feel like your journey into self-awareness and understanding of all these different elements of the self when did that begin and was there like was there a moment that ignited that yeah absolutely um i was a um militant atheist and i mean that i mean if i got a whiff that you had any spiritual inclination religious inclination oh it was on you were my adversary and I wanted to tear down your belief system yeah. and I wanted to wake you up. Like, yeah, yeah that, right. that type of fucking thing. Like, it, like you know, the, the irony, right? Yeah, fuck <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. I'm like, you know, so like, um, you know, back in the day, like the, the Ku Klux Klan, when they were hyper-religious, they used to burn like um, crucifixes on people's lawns. Mm. I was there like fucking burning scientific equations on priests' lawns, you know, like fucking fight Einstein, bitch, yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, yeah, um, one day I was, uh, I used to have this routine where I walked um, to and from work, um, from here, from where we are in, in Whitley Bay, uh, up to the locals in all this area, just behind the village hotel in the Cobalt Business Park. And it's quite a walk. It's about three, three, four miles or something like that. And I used to do that every day, back and forth. I, I love it. That that was my time. And I was coming back one evening. What age are you at? Just to give a time I was sort of thing. About well, how long ago was 30, it? Thirty-three, okay. 30, thirty-two, thirty-three ish type type of. Um, how yeah. old are you now? Twenty-one. Twenty-one years old. Forty. Fresh. I'm forty. Fresh. Fresh. Forty and fresh. 
Like a crustacean. <laughs> no, my back hurts when I sit up now. Right, I'm 40. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I was I was walking home and my music had died. I remember that. I always walked with music. Music's like a therapy for me. I, I am a musician. You know, I play whatever I can get my hands on. I write a lot of music for myself. So you know, music's a real integral part of my life. Brought up with it, parents into it, brothers into it, everything. And my music thing had died. Mm. I think it was an old MP3 player um, from back in the day. And I, I was walking past one of the fields and it, the sun was setting and it had been raining. I, this is going to sound so stupid, it's not going to make any sense, okay. but it, it, it's very hard to describe emotion, I think, um, and particularly like spiritual emotion. And... The sun was just like peeking down. By it was behind the Monk Seaton School actually, and there was a bunch of seagulls, and they were pitter patting on the field, um, and they do that to get the worms up after it's been raining. And my brain just kind of went, "There's no difference between the worm and the seagull at all. Like they're intrinsic to each other. They they both need each other. You know." Seagulls do a lot of work to the land, which a lot of people don't know about. They they rut around on the land, and this creates oxygenation. And from there, that attracts worms. Worms oxygenate the soil. And my brain just went on this weird, like, everything's fucking one. Everything's connected. And the beauty of the sunset, the beauty of the sunset. And um, there was something about the way that that sun was setting. The light hit these seagulls in such a way and if you're from the northeast if you're from Whitley Bay the coast you you'll probably have a natural dislike of seagulls but if you actually take your time and look at one it's a beautiful beautiful creature and that happened I was like looking at this thing I considered a pest mm. for 10 20 or 15 years like whatever I'm like what a fucking perfect creation my brain just went there's no mistakes there's no mistakes and I just started to cry like I just started a ball with tears. And from then, uh, kind of a, a, a spiritual aspect of myself started to develop, but I kept it very quiet. I was embarrassed by it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the day before I was just like, fight me priest. <laughs> Literally the day before, you know. Do you, do you feel like that was almost like a divine intervention? Like that was a moment that you needed to, because there would have been a lead up to that point, right? Like that that moment that couldn't wasn't have... that that's how impactful that that there was nothing led up to it nothing I was having no previous but you'd questions. had resistance to a spiritual thing. I'd had aggression towards people that were spiritual um, mm. because I just thought how fucking idiotic of you how dare you say you know you've got it all answered all the whilst thinking. I've got it all answered. Yeah, and I yeah. think I got, I think my own hypocrisy got exposed. But the, there is something, and this is going to sound so out the blue. Uh, my my granddad was a very important man to me. And whenever I messaged my mum and said, you know, oh, I was thinking of granddad today, you know, she, she always replied, she still does, she replies with the same thing. Oh, it's just him tapping you on the shoulder to remind you he's there. Mm. My mom's not a deeply religious person. She's she's quite a spiritual person. She's got no religious convictions, though. And that, 
I, I know that's not going to make sense to anybody, but, but in that sunset, like, I, I saw my fucking granddad, man, and I saw this wonderful guy who was just from an era where you had to be hard, but he was soft and he was just fucking beautiful. And I saw him in that moment. I, I can't, I, I don't have the words for that, but I saw him in that moment and... The next morning, like, I woke up and I was, it was still in my mind. Like, it was, I mean, like, I went back home and did, like, a load of fucking drugs and got <laughs> fucked up with, <laughs> like, with yeah, whoever yeah. I was with at the time. And just in the morning it was there, I was like, fuck, what is this? And I just started looking at myself. I just started looking at my thought patterns. I started, I started reading. I started reading a lot, mm. uh, a, a lot of psychology, a lot of um, um, I, I, like religious history, because I realized that I, I was deeply interested in religion. I couldn't argue with a priest if I didn't know the Bible, and I know the Bible backwards and inside out, but I did that on purpose so I could fucking argue with them. Mm. And at that time, I was going through the Quran as well because that was my next mission was, right, fuck it, I'm going to fight. Like, Interesting. Yeah. And <clears throat> I still haven't stopped reading religious texts. In fact, it's become more, but I'm, I'm doing it for a different reason. I'm finding, yeah, yeah, those are, finding something flip. else. Yeah. Um, so the same kind of actions produce two different outputs. That's fucking Which beautiful. I think is fucking weird and beautiful at the same time. I still can't comprehend that. I still don't quite get it. Yeah. I don't understand it. I'm not going to claim to be able to say, you know, that was God or, or like whatever it is. But we don't always have to either. No, we don't have to. It, it just is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. And it's, it, and it was beautiful. I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful. And there, there was a couple of year period where, where I was going through all this and I was evaluating myself. A lot of looking in the mirror, and I mean physically looking in the mirror, mm. standing there and talking and going, why the fuck are you saying these things? Why are you acting this way? What is it you're doing? What's your goal? And the answer was nearly always, oh, I was like, well, you probably shouldn't be doing that then. Yeah, and I started to eliminate things from my life. And I just found life got a bit better. And then I became aware of the people around me. And I really looked at my past and the family's past, and you know, a lot of a lot of, a lot of people, as I mentioned earlier, you know, taking their own life in in my life. And I started to look at that, and I was a bit like, these these were people that I've loved deeply, even from a distance, even if I wasn't overly too close to them, I loved them deeply. And then I realized I love people deeply. I'm in love with humanity, which I'd always said was a fucking curse. Humanity is a plague. It's a cancer on the planet. You know, what an awful way. Now, when I look at what an awful way to view myself. Mm, yeah, right. What an awful way to view my mother, my father, my brother. They're all humanity. Yeah. My own children. Well, it's a disgusting way to view life. It's a disgusting thing to say. And I think... With that slow realization that I'm not disconnected from reality, I'm not disconnected from life or people or spirit, made me look at myself and made me go, oh, fuck, you've got some issues. Mm. And you push them on people to make yourself feel better. Yeah. And that's when the work. And that's when it begins. And that's when it started. Yeah, that's and that's when, when it, it begins. Yeah. Zane, mate, it's been a fucking pleasure having you on it's today. It's been fucking beautiful being and here, man. <laughs> <laughs>
and we'll do it again. Absolutely, my dude. This has been fun. Cold, fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking cold. Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, we, we, we are virtually outside and it is like, it's December it. in a few... <laughs> like, it's December in a few days and we are in a brick. <laughs> it is cold, but it's good. It's, it's good. That, I think that's something I'd love to talk about next time is the cold. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, the it's cold. The... I've done the cold training for about 10 years. Do you cold showers, people? Do it. Nice one. We'll expand on that later. Wicked. Thank you, mate. That was so fucking cool, dude. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Yeah. And Merry Christmas to anybody who watches this after the new year. <laughs>